Welcome to Linked Up, Breaking Boundaries in Education, a podcast that focuses on what is happening in education today, connecting everyone to the movers and shakers that are breaking boundaries in the education arena. Welcome to Linked Up, Breaking Boundaries in Education. You know, Jerry, I have noticed uh, in the past year or so, especially, that a lot of kids are going off to college and they're excited, but then come October, they are not liking it and coming home. And I feel like they need to give it more of a chance. And I don't know if after COVID, there has been a little bit more of a shift in that, a little bit more of a trend. I know I'm seeing it here uh, where I live, but we, you know, the kids need to stick it out a little bit more, I think. And uh, they need support to do that. Some colleges have the support, uh, but sometimes they don't take advantage of it or they don't know where to go. So I think it's a little bit of a struggle. We're going to be talking about this today, aren't we? We are. And and I w- wanted to say that in Kansas, we started something that was like the student success rate after high school. Mm. And what we found is that so many students enroll, but by that second year, they're not there anymore. Okay. Yeah. And so we're seeing that not as a success. And mm-hmm. so really, we're having to rethink How do we support students so that they can be successful? And not only that, but we want those first generation college students to have that those supports as well, because it's a hard system to maneuver. So today I am excited to hear what our guest Bobby Trevino has to say about what he is doing in his work to support students and help them from high school through the college experience. So, Bobby, welcome to Linked Up, Breaking Boundaries in Education. We're excited to hear about the boundaries you're breaking today. Thank you so much, Jerry. Thank you so much, Jamie, for having me. You bet. Can you tell us just a little bit about you and what you do? Yeah, of course. Um, So my title, I'm a Managing Director of College Initiatives at Yes Prep. Um, I have been at Yes Prep Public Schools going into my 12th year. Um, but prior to being at Yes Prep, I actually worked on what's considered the other side of the desk um, in college admissions at my alma mater, uh, Boston University, and I was there for six years in admissions. So it's been a um, a really great journey for me to see both sides of the desk and really recruiting students to one university um, and really believing in the education that I received at Boston University. Um, but then also realizing that that's not the place for everybody. Obviously, there's many, there's over 4,000 universities and colleges across the country um, to really moving um, and coming over to this side of the desk and serving our, our high school students. Um, but a little bit about myself also is I'm first generation to college. And so I think that really plays into a lot of a lot of the work uh, that I do and, and kind of really provides the 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 support and the passion that I have in the work that I do. And I have a follow-up question for you. So where is Yes Prep and what is Yes Prep? Good question. Let's start with that. Um, So Yes Prep Public Schools is in Houston, Texas. We're only in Houston. Um, We're one of the most diverse cities, uh, you know, in the country. And uh, there is a lot of work to be done here, here in Houston to serve, to serve our students. So it's an open enrollment uh, charter school district. It started back in 1998 with just one school. Um, and uh, now we've grown to 24 schools here in Houston. 
Uh, we serve pre-K through 12, and we have over 18,000 students um, across, across our district. And our mission is to empower all Houston students to succeed in college and pursue lives of opportunity and beyond. So that is what Yes Prep is, um, and that's that's what we do. That's what we serve. So can I follow up with a couple more questions? Please do. So Yes Prep, are you all in person? All or are you hybrid? First We're of all, all in person. We're all in person. I mean, minus obviously the whole world shifting to uh, online and hybrid the last you know two years or so. But oof, glad that um, that's not permanent for us. What makes Yes Prep different, or from maybe other charter schools? What sets you apart? So I think a big thing that sets Yes Prep apart is we have made a conscious decision to stay in Houston. Um, many charter schools across the country um, have expanded, you know, beyond the city that maybe they're originated in. Um, and I can understand why, right? There's there's a there's a need in many different cities and many different places. And if you feel like something's working in one place, ideally it works somewhere else. Um, but for us, expansion meant serving more and more Houston students. Again, we're the third uh, or fourth largest city in the country soon, hopefully to be probably third with the growth here. And um, we know that there is a need in Houston. And so we have been for a long time, just six through 12th. And just recently, right in the middle of COVID, we opened up our elementary schools. So we're now expanding our elementary programs. And ideally um, in the future where all of our schools will be fully pre-K through 12. Um, so I think that that's, that's something that makes Yes Prep unique um, is just being here in Houston and the expansion has been remaining here. That's great. You know, the, your college initiatives program, that is a standout. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, and you were primarily six through 12. Um, now you are pre-K through 12. Uh, but what does your college initiatives program do? And what are the different stages of it? Yeah, so our college initiatives program, I think, is our, our our bread and butter. You know, where a lot of our um, families, when they enroll their student at Yes Prep, they enroll them with this vision of where their kid is going to go post Yes Prep. Right? Yes, we we're a safe and inclusive environment, and 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 lots of relationships are built at Yes Prep, and and we're small, and I think that is something that attracts our our, our families for sure. But I think one of their biggest attractions is what happens after they graduate from Yes Prep. And so we want to make sure that we're meeting um, those expectations for our families and the family, the, the, what they deserve, really. So I would say it comes down to about, I call them five pillars. And then I, I'm adding a bonus one that I'll explain in a second why. Um, advising um, our seminar program, student opportunities college partnerships, and then our alumni support. And the bonus one that is officially a pillar, but I very much believe that is ingrained in all five of those things is family engagement. Um, we cannot do this work without engaging our families and ensuring that they have the support that they need. Um, but those are the those are the pillars. I'm happy to go into I, any one of those um, in, with more detail. Yeah, I'm curious. So what is the seminar program? That's the second pillar? Yep. 
the yeah, advisement so seminar, and then the seminar. Okay. Yeah. So our seminar program, uh, our, our seminar, it's a class where it's built into their, their schedule. They get a credit and essentially, you know, it's an opportunity for our students to just discover themselves a bit more, right? They learn about the personality, they learn about what career choices they're interested in. Um, they learn about the process to apply to college. They learn about colleges, period. They learn about other post-secondary pathways as well, because the reality is that some of our students end up choosing not to go to college at the end. But our belief is that all students should have access, right? All students should have access to um, to learn about what, what college is all about uh, so that they can make the choice at the end. Um, and part of that is learning about other post-secondary opportunities so that they understand the, the lay of the land, right? Is military the right fit for me? Is attending a trade school a better fit for me? Or really is college the best fit for me? I just didn't know that this was the process I needed to take. So therefore, you know, maybe I was scared or my family thought it wasn't accessible to me, but not, maybe now it is because I know more information about it. Um, so we kind of, we give them free SAT prep in our seminar classes walk them through the entire college process, financial aid process, up until the end where they decide what they're going to do after high school. So I, I see that as such a pivotal pillar of our program because we see them on a daily basis, essentially. Um, so uh, those minutes that we have with students is, is, is priceless. You know, we don't have to constantly be going and pulling them out of class or working them outside of outside of school. We literally have them a part of our class um, day in and day out. That's so important because a lot of schools will certainly touch on all of that, um, but it's kind of piecemeal and maybe like a week or, you know, a couple of times out of the year. But to have a course dedicated just to that, I think is so important. And I think one of the most important aspects of that is allowing students to explore their interests um, because a lot of times they don't know. And they, you know, often it makes sense that they don't know. They're still young, but just to get them in tune with what their strengths are, um, what their interests are, really helps them form um, some type of plan for um, after college. I mean, after high school, whether it's college or trade school or, you know, going right into a job, um, you know, but just preparing them for that. How many years is that course? And when is that course? So it starts in junior year. Um, they, they start in junior year and go all the way through, through senior year as well. And one thing I want to add, Jamie, not only is it important because they're young and, you know, when you're young, you, you think, you know, a lot, right. But, um, you actually don't know a lot, but for our students that are predominantly first generation, um, about 90% of our students are first generation to college, um, they really just don't know this process, right? 90%, really? Wow. 90%, yeah. I mean, I think about myself and I now have a college degree and I'm going to be able to teach my own kids what the process is like and why college is important, X, Y, Z things, right? But I didn't have that when I went home. And so that's what we want to provide for our students is 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 giving them that, that information and and our families too, because... Research shows our families are the top influencer in students' decisions um, at the end. And so if we don't engage them 
doesn't matter what we say in school, um, you know, parents are going to have the ultimate say. And so it's important that we also provide them the information so that, again, they can make, you know, the most informed decisions. How do you do that for parents? Oof. It's hard, right? Because it is hard. Because they're either working. Absolutely. Um, so how do you, what is the, the way that you break that? Yeah. Challenge. A variety of ways. Um, I think first is ensuring that our our staff um, and all of my counselors and all our directors of college counseling on our campuses have the the mindset first, the correct mindset, right? You have to believe that our families are pivotal in in this process um, because then the hard part happens is is paving the path for our parent fair for our families, whether it be through family nights, um, whether it be through, so which we do, we have a scope and sequence that we request all of our campuses to follow. Um, here is a senior family night at this time, and these are some of the suggested topics. Here's a junior parent night, et cetera, et cetera. Um, twice in one year, um, our counselors are expected to also bring in their families for a one-on-one -on -one advising appointment with their students. Those are my absolute favorite. When I was on a campus, um, which I should have mentioned, I was on a campus for for almost 10 years um, as a director of college counseling. And one of my favorite uh, meetings was the first meeting with one of my junior advisees. I would have half of the time with the parents by themselves. And I would just talk to them like normal human beings and ask them, Tell me what you do. Tell me, you know, what it is that you do with your family at home. Um, what, you know, what is your kid like at home? You know, what is it going to be like for you when your kid goes to college? Um, just kind of really have that human connection. Because once you connect with the families and they believe in you as a person and believe with you, believe in you and in, in the program, um, then it's it's much easier as you as you go through the process. So um, so I would say those are the the best ways that we engage our families but obviously knowing that not all families come you know although we we, we try to do um 100 but we definitely put out different publications we've put out a couple of different guides actually on our website to help our families um have conversations at home um because again they can have all the conversations with us but they need to continue those at home so really helping our families know what to talk about, whether it be GPA, whether it be financial aid, whether it be about the college application process, creating um, some guides, conversation guides for them to use at home has been really helpful as well. Right, right. Yeah, no, that that is important. Coming full circle like that, I think that's, and keeping that contact going uh, and being open. And I think that's probably the biggest trick is just talking with them on a human level um, so that they always feel comfortable when a question comes up that they can come to you. hundred um, yeah. percent. Asking them their fears. That's one of my favorite um, mm. questions also. Like, what is your fear um, in your kid growing up and going to college? Um, yeah. Because their fears are sometimes actually what keeps the kid from flying away. Um, you know, the amount of kids that have come to me and say, I want to, leave Houston, but my mom won't let yeah. me. And yeah. kind of really exploring that with the parent and asking, what are your fears and why um, has been really helpful. And now as a parent also, I think it's it's it, it has provided a different lens for me too, because sure. I mean, I'm thinking about my own kids leaving um, is tough, but um, being able to empathize is really important. 
It's funny. Last night, my husband just said, um, we were just getting, you're setting the table for dinner. And he's just said, I really miss the girls. Both of ours are in college. It's like, I really miss them. Like there are certain moments that we realize like, gosh, it's so different without them. I think when you, when you get married and you have kids, you think like, that's your life. You're going to have kids. And then now we realize there's this whole other stage, right? That we didn't really think about. We thought, oh yeah, that'll be like when we're older, older. But it's, can't it's imagine. yeah, it's it's really <laughs> interesting. You do there is a process that parents sure. have to go to as well, go through as well. Yeah, and I I, I say to parents sometimes also um, because in 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 a we, we predominantly are the, most of our students are are Black and Latino, right? And especially for our families who immigrated to the U.S. in in Latino culture, there's um, couple of different things. One is that at 18, you all of a sudden become an adult, which we know, like, you know, child that's development, <laughs> that's not actually um, accurate. Um, but two, also that like, it's okay for your kids to stay home until you get married. Right. And if that means 35 years old, you're, you're good, you can stay with me. And so um, being really conscientious of those, you know, cultural pieces is important but also helping our families like understand that it's okay for them to, to go um, and that you're still going to be their parents just at a different stage of life. Right. Um, you'll they'll still be there for them and they'll still actually probably call you more <laughs> and, and say, what do I do when this happens? Um, it's just not going to be them living in your house. Um, it, you know, and it's so interesting too, because, there's a sense of pride that you have when they're off on their own, whether it's college or, or doing something. So, um, you know, even if it's hard to kind of let go and let them do their thing, or even if they're living at home and, and off doing their, you know, their own job, um, there's a great sense of pride in that. And the relationship does change. Like you said, they might call you more. They might ask you questions more. They, you, uh, you see them growing into adulthood. Although, like you said, they're 18, they're not adults, but they're learning, right? Um, they're they're being more independent. They're taking on things on their own. And it's really, it's a wonderful feeling um, to see that happen. So, you know, it is a different odd stage, but, you know, at least parents can know that it's a good stage. It's a good stage. You know, you've and done your job well, right? Yes. And valuing their culture is critical. Um, yes, I... I had a student that had a full ride to Columbia University, and I remember his grandmother telling me she didn't want him to go because she was afraid that he would lose his roots, his Kansas roots. And so I think we have to respect the the culture that they're from and, and try to be that support net to help people understand that we're not trying to change your child or make them a different person that your values are always with with them and and that's a great point i think there's two things one of the things that's the hardest i think in in training our counselors is finding that healthy balance because part of what i said earlier about fears is is we can't we don't want our families and students to live in their fears and you want to make sure that you're valuing their, their, whether it be cultural, family, religious, whatever values they bring to the table is leading with your values as well. So where's that middle point? 
in how do you get there? Because I've had families say, well, I feel like this counselor just wants me to do X, right? And they're not listening to me or they're not valuing this, which is, yeah, I mean, when you do that, that that family is no longer engaged, you know, with you. And then on the flip side, I've had counselors say, well, the family wants this. And so therefore, that's what I'm doing. And then upon asking more questions, it's like, oh, you just kind of like took it at face value. But you didn't realize that behind that is this fear or this other thing that you kind of need to uncover. And maybe the kid actually wants something different. And that's equally important to follow. But I think that's a great point is is leading with values and is really um, important in this process. Yeah, I guess it's really challenging for um, the counselors, the advisors to really make sure that everyone is seen, heard, and valued in that way. Because there are, like you mentioned, different different goals, um, different mindsets. So that's that's challenging to get everyone on the same page. And, you know, and to do that for for every every family. That's that's a lot. But I think, you know, that's your core value of your school. So I think that's just wonderful. Bobby, I have a Another question for you. I know that um, you started the pre-K through, what, sixth grade, eighth grade program? So it'll be pre-K through fifth in our elementary schools. Yep, that's that's going to be the that's the new part. And then sixth through 12th has been what's been around for a long time. Right. And and I love that you're doing that because I think so many times we start with the college prep and we only think about those last two years in high school when really if we would back it up to kindergarten and start seeing what are your interests, what what are you interested in? So do you have that push in your elementary school to start thinking about uh, what kind of problems you want to solve when you get older? Um, what what are your values, interests? Yeah. Yeah. You know, as I guess age appropriate, right, as it, as it can be for sure. I think um, one of the reasons why we expanded into elementary is um, what we thought we could solve for in 6 through 12. Um, we weren't seeing we weren't seeing that that solution. And what I mean by that is we thought we can catch up students in the seven years that they're with us in secondary. What we were seeing is that students were coming into our sixth grade, sometimes three to four grade levels behind in reading or math. And we pride ourselves in, in our, in our middle school, in our sixth through eighth, we have um, what's called um, our, our intervention classes where students depending on their reading level depending on their math class on their math level then have additional intervention besides their grade level um math and reading so that ideally by the time they get to high school they're cut out but we're we've just started seeing that that's for some students they come in so severely behind that that was impossible so at the end of the day, what's fundamental, right, for a student to really even envision themselves to go to college is, am I being successful academically? You know, do I like school? Um, is it fun, you know, to be at school? Um, and why Why do I want to do this? Or what do I want to do in the future? So I think for us in really thinking about expanding in, into elementary, those were some of the things that we want, wanted to ensure that we we, we brought into our elementary schools that students felt successful um, 
right? And so we have both um, bilingual classes, we have monolingual classes, um, so that again, if a student comes in fully, you know, in speaking Spanish at home and doesn't know English, that that will be the opportunity to feel successful in school um, in their own home language, um, where again, our classes bring a lot of joy and still bring in a lot of you know, different cultural events throughout the the, the schools. Um, for every for every class, there is a piece that says like, uh, they're all sparks, by the way, um, the, the mascot for all of our elementary schools are sparks. And so it's sparks to college. And it's a little like rocket that like is going like shooting off into into the moon. Um, and so really getting them to think that having different career days as well. Um, so that again, they can envision themselves. And one of my new favorite traditions that our schools who are now both secondary and elementary next to each other is they're starting a, um, at the end of the school year, all of our seniors walking through the elementary schools. Um, So that again, they see, you know, they see in some cases they see their siblings in some cases, you know, they see a cousin and so forth. That's another great thing about yes prep. It's very family oriented. And the kids can see their teachers too. The graduates can see their teachers. hundred percent. It's so moving. It's wonderful. And we have, and we have a lot of alumni also working at yes prep because again, we've been around for so long. And so one of my favorite um, tidbits is one of my alumni from our Yes Prep Southeast campus. He is now a um, kindergarten teacher at our um, elementary school. And last year he had five of his classmates' kids in his class. Oh my so it's like gosh. the next Yes Prep generation, you know, in elementary school. And, and just like the power of um, really the generational, you know, change that happens is 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 seen even within our schools and within our alumni um and that to me just i remember when i heard about that i was like that was one of my favorite moments so i what i love so much is that when you talk about your alumni you talk about the alumni as still part of your school and most of the time it's this isolated group, you know, they've gone on, there's no real connection to, you know, they'll see teachers, sometimes they'll come back and say hi. And, but you really connect, stay connected with your alumni through college as much as possible. Can you, that, I think that's part of what makes the big difference here. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think back to my own high school experience and you know, I'm on Facebook on an alumni group and I'm like, oh yeah, I, I remember that, you know, like I, it, there's, there isn't that connection. And, and from the get go, when Yes Prep started, um, that was going to be a pillar that we wanted to focus on. And one of my goals, despite us now being 10, over 10,000 alumni is that that does not change. Do we have to evolve? Yes. Um, however, we, we want to ensure that our that our alumni are still engaged with with yes prep and a couple of things that i can um, share with you is one i'm really proud that our director of alumni um, support is actually a yes prep alum um so uh, having that personal connection lead the program is super super impactful um and we actually recently just um released in a, a survey to our alumni where over, it's about 2,500 alumni responded. Um, so good, a little over 2,500, a little over 25%. Um, and that to me just showed that if you, if I can get t- over 2,500 alumni to respond to a survey, 
there's something there. There's something really special that we've we've done um, when they were with us. And they know to expect. They know to expect that we will have events for them. They know to expect that their high schools will ask them to come back and speak to their students. Um, um, my director of alumni support is looking to start a mentorship program where our older alumni are supporting our younger alumni and also supporting our high school students. Um, you know, just finding unique ways to just help our students stay not only engaged with us, but by staying engaged with us, the hope is that that will then help them continue to persist and graduate and then potentially find careers, right? Because again, our alumni now are my age. I mean, we're in the, in 30s and so forth and about to be in their 40s. And people are now have successful careers that you can then start to create internships or find connections to find that first job out of college. And, and that's the hope is that we continue to keep that family feel um, beyond just high school and into the alumni community. So I'm assuming you have good percentages of students who will go to college, stay in college, or at least, you know, find a great career. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. Do we want it to be higher? Absolutely. Um, we are not, um, we're not, you know, this absent of kind of what goes around the world, especially after COVID. COVID, um, we experienced definitely a dip in our matriculation um, at par, a par with, with, with what other institutions um, were seeing, but we're quickly recovering. We did see about a 10% drop um, that we norm that from what we normally see, but this year, crossing my fingers, once I get the data from our national student clearinghouse is that we've rebounded and really turned that turn that around. Um, but we are graduating um, our students at three times the high, higher than than the national rate uh, for low-income students. So that's um, really important, um, even though we continue to grow. Um, from our last survey, I, I shared with you all that, that we um, shared a survey and about from those 2,500, 75% uh, of our students either were still persisting or um, had graduated from college. Um, so that was a really great statistic for us to also see. Again, it was a, not all of our alumni in that survey, but 25% still was a pretty sizable amount for us to be able to extrapolate some data. That's wonderful. I live in a college town, and when we got our national clearinghouse data, we thought, ah, you know, professors, kids, we're gonna be sky high. No, we were shocked. And so your data is really impressive. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we there's room for growth and we continue to 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 strive for for more and better. Um, but I think I, I, I'm very proud for sure of the of the work that we're doing. And and I think an area that we're also shifting a little bit more is that we we want to continue to strive for for stronger college data and um, National Student Clearinghouse also doesn't track any other pathways. Um, so we're we're starting to track exactly. Yeah. So we're starting to yes. track a little bit more in-house as well. Um, you know, because for our students who ultimately choose not to do that, it's important that our students don't feel that they're less than or that we're not supporting them. Um, so if they chose a different pathway, we want to continue to also support them. And you know what? Sometimes they come back and say a year or two later, like, I actually do want to do that. One of my students who graduated in 2019 texted me literally last week, 
asking me, can I put you down as a reference? Sure. For what? I really want to join the police academy. Great. The really? student decided to go straight to work. Um, and series of events happen. And all of a sudden he reaches back out and says, I, I now I'm ready, you know, and I think that happens more often than not. And the last thing I want is for a student to not feel like they can call us or connect with us, you know, so we got to keep those, those lines of communication and, and open and make sure that they, they know that we can still support them. You know, I think you're the mentorship program that you are, um, that your um, team is going to be initiating is going to be super impactful. I think that's going to be helpful as well um, to, to get that going. Um, you know, and I also wanted to know about the imposter syndrome that first generation students often feel when they go off to college. Um, do you encounter that a lot? And if so, how do you help students overcome that? Yeah, that's, um, that is real. And I that will always be real, I think, for any first generation students or any student of color. Um, as long as institutions continue to be predominantly white, um, you know, our students will, will see that. And, um, you know, when I was on a campus, I, I leveraged my own experience. Um, and I always tell my my own quick story, which is literally, I remember in um, November of my freshman year, calling my mom and I was sitting out in the hallway crying and saying, I made a mistake. I shouldn't be here. I don't feel, I don't fit in. You know, I am not doing as well as I thought I would. I don't have friends, et cetera, et cetera. And I love my mom um, dearly. And, and I thought she was going to tell me, all right, we'll come back. Um, but instead she said, um, and it's, I'll, I'll say it in Spanish because it gets the full effect. She said, Te aguantas, She's, which basically means like, tough it out. Like Aww. you made a, you yeah. made a decision, you wanted to go there and, you know, tough it out because it's going to take time, you know, it's going to take time for you to, to acclimate, et cetera, et cetera. And sure enough, second semester, I did much better and felt better and all that stuff. Right. So I think one of the ways that I, 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 I prepared our, I think I, I would help our students prepare for that. And, and I encourage our counselors now to prepare for that is one, leverage our own experiences. Most, many of our counselors actually are from first generation themselves. Um, so it's okay for us to leverage that experience so that our students can see that, hey, you did it. I think I can do it too. So that's important. Um, two, building it into our seminar curriculum. So we do ensure that we have those types of conversations in our classes. Um, we ensure that our counselors are talking about that and being real with, with our students in our advising appointments too, right? Like there's no need to sugarcoat things for our students and say, hey, it's going to be great. And, you know, you're, you're, you're doing well in school, so you're going to do just great. No. Hey, you actually have a 4.0 now and you probably are still going to fail your first biology exam when you get to college. Why? Because it's so different. And you know what? You're probably going to struggle finding friends. Why? Because you've been at Yes Prep for seven years. And so therefore, it's going to be hard to make friends and they're going to look different than you. They're going to have more money than you potentially. So just having those real conversations, I think, goes a really, really long way. But at the end of the day, I did. I do remember um, an alum coming in and telling me like, hey, I don't feel like we talked about imposter syndrome. I don't feel like we talked about this. So, well, actually, one, we did. I promise you. But you may not have been ready to, to accept it. And so sometimes you just have to experience it 
to realize, oh, this is what that is. I may not be as equipped, but um, but hopefully we've given them a few nuggets or enough nuggets um, and enough um, ways to know how to troubleshoot and overcome those, you know, those challenges so that they um, they navigate it, you know, and and telling them, hey, we're here. Like, if you still need us, we're here, even if it's just to vent or to cry, you know, use us as well. Bobby, that's what I love about your whole program. What I hear throughout it is relationships and very intentional. You're very intentional about building these relationships. And we hear people saying it's all about relationships, but I love the intention that you've put into this. And I also feel like the seminar is almost a safety net for students and families. You know, we know there's going to be some tripping and missteps, but we're here to pull you back up and uh, lean on us. And I think that that's great. I was wondering, what is it that you would say to just your normal brick and mortar building that says, we we want to ensure that our students are successful in college? What would be a first step you would tell them to take? I think the first just critical step, and and I said this a little bit in thinking about family engagement with our counselors, but I think the first thing that needs to happen is aligning that on on this mindset that every student can, right? Whether they do go to college or not, or don't want to or not, you have to start with the belief that every student can, because the minute that an, an adult, even just one, says, Oh, they're not smart enough. Oh, they don't have the resources for it. Oh, their family isn't involved because they don't care. So therefore, X, Y, Z things, you know, they they can't. It it, it permeates the the environment, and um, and that I think is is um, negatively impacts our students. Right, a, a student reads into an adult very easily they're very perceptive even though they're young and change their mind all the time they're very perceptive and know when it's when an adult doesn't believe in them and and because they're young they then take that very personally and i've had had to have conversations with i remember one of my one of my favorite that I was literally messaging the other day because he was in Paris and I was like, look at you. Like, this is amazing that you're in Paris. Congrats, whatever. And he messaged me back and we were just, we were talking back and forth. And he, um, there was one moment in an advising appointment that his perception of what I said was that he thought that I didn't believe in, in, in him being able to pass a class. Well, he made it his mission to not only pass that class because he thought that I didn't believe in him, um, but he also made it his mission to like, just like, it's something that lit a fire in him. And thankfully I caught it very quickly where I was like, Hey, I want you to know that that's not what I meant. I've 100% believed in you. And he's like, well, I really thought that you didn't. And so I almost like wanted to like show you you know, prove you wrong. And I was like, gosh, the impacts of words and the impact that an adult can have is really, really important. And in both ways, both positively and negatively. So I think that's the number one thing is, is aligning on mindsets so that, so that students know that 
that the adults that they see day in and day out believe in them. And then therefore will hopefully provide the support, the resources, and then everything will kind of line, line up after that. You know, we, you know, we've established that the foundation of the success of this college initiatives program is the relationships that have been built uh, with the students, with the parents. But what about the relationships with colleges? You have an Mm. impact program, right? What is that? We do. We do. Yes. So our impact college partnership program, um, we started it, I guess, about 15 years ago. And it was out of this need to ensure that we partnered with with the institutions that the, the kids were no longer with us, right? As much as we built the relationships with them and the families and all this stuff, they physically were no longer in front of us. And so it was our way to ensure that we were still being able to support our students and um, partner with, you know, the institutions again that were supporting that theoretically should be supporting them. Now I say theoretically because every college is different. And I think that that was a way for us to also push colleges to say, hey, now that we turn them to you, we need you to support them and make sure that they graduate, make sure that they um, they have what they need. And so two of the things that we um, request our impact partners to provide is one, um, financial aid. Um, now all colleges theoretically provide financial aid, but specifically for our college partners, we request that they meet the full need of the students that they admit to their to their partnership or to their institution. Um, because financial aid is ultimately the biggest barrier that our, our kids face in deciding where they're going to go to college. And then the second is that support once they're there. Um, we ask that they assign somebody at their college to be our point of contact and their point of contact if they provide a bridge program or a summer program, you know, that they invite our students to it, um, that if they have any sort of mentorship program that they invite our students to it. So we just, we try not to reinvent the wheel that if they have something, please just ensure that our students are part of that. And if you don't have something, please, you know, start something to, to ensure that our students are successful while they're there. And so we've seen a, a really, really um, great success with, with our program. Um, the last statistics that we looked at, um, about 80% of our students who enrolled at a at a um, impact college graduated from an impact college, um, which is, uh, yeah, huge, huge wins. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so we are definitely really proud of our partnership program and, and continuing to look for it to grow since, again, we're now just crossed the 10,000 mark of alumni and we're only growing from here. I mean, every class from here on is about 2,000 students. So we're just okay, growing exponentially wow. the amount of alumni that we have. Wow. How many uh, colleges are part of that impact program approximately? Currently, we have 24 colleges um, across the country. Um we they range from like your you know highly selective um, northeast colleges like Boston University or Bates College. Um, we have some that are maybe a little bit less selective, but at the end of the day, they're they're selective or highly selective colleges. Um, some in California, Midwest, Northeast, and a few here in Texas. 
That's wonderful. You know, I just got an email from my daughter's college saying, you know, if your do- if your if your child needs support, here are these resources. Make sure you share it with them. So yeah. obviously, they share it with the students. The students read emails, maybe or not, right? I mean, <laughs> Debatable. Debatable. So I guess they're same as same objective that you have. Like we have to make a full circle. We have to have this full communication. So telling the parents. So you know whether it was it was financial aid links, it was um, links for mental wellness. It was links for academic support. So I said, I was like, oh, I'm sure she's fine. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to send them to her because I want her to see that, you know. So I, I did. I said, hey, I just got an email with some great resources. So Good I said, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because chances are, A, the kids some don't, don't don't read emails if they're longer than two lines um, or that if they're not bulleted. And then two, um, yeah, I think that that's a struggle that, will always be the case for colleges is um, getting students to take advantage of the resources that they, that they, um, that they offer, you know, the amount of conversations I've had with alumni um, that are about to go into senior year or are in their senior year and they're starting to freak out. What am I, what am I going to do next? Well, have you been to your career services office? Right. No. Right. That's step number one. Yeah. Go and do that, you know, and um, that's, that's just so important, but there's this barrier, you know, and I'll be, I'll be honest. I, I didn't step foot in my career services office until my senior year. And even then I felt like it was too late. And so, yeah, there's something that colleges need to figure out and how to, how to break that barrier. I think for our students. Yeah. Make that part of the, uh, just like you do with your seminar, right? You make it part of their course load. That should be part of any uh, program at the college too. So it's not this isolated office tucked in a corner um, that maybe the kids know about, uh, maybe they, they get to or not, but instead it's pushed into Correct. their programs. Yeah, um, and especially for our students, because I mean, college is already intimidating as it is. And if they have this this imposter syndrome going for however long they're there, you know, it's the career services office also feels very inaccessible because I mean, I remember thinking, do I need to go dressed up? Like, is it's like, what do I, what do I do in this? Like, do I, am I going to get an interview right away? Or, you know, it, there was so many fears of whether I was able to be there or not that I think there's, um, yeah, there's a lot of in making it accessible for our students that that needs to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think you've well established that. It's the relationships that are built that really makes the difference um, for having, you know, students being able to overcome any fears, to be persistent and, you know, eventually be successful. So um, I, this is a fantastic program. I'm excited for us to share this um, because I hope that other schools uh, really take initiatives like this to push it even further to make sure that we're not just, you know, there's college and career readiness standards that we all do, but this really closes the loops and uh, makes the big difference. So I think it's something that um, all schools should be doing. Thank you. It's fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. And Bobby, where can they find Yes Prep online? Yeah, uh, you can definitely find um, Yes Prep on our on our website, right? Yesprep.org. And you can learn more about our college counseling department, our college initiatives department, um, through the website, um, those parent guides, communication guides are are there and accessible, you know, for anybody 
to use. Um, we're really proud of those and really um, ensuring that. And and by the way, they're not only for parents, for our students um, that are with us, but also for our alumni, because our families who have kids after they graduate still need some support. Um, right. So so that's available there. Um, we're definitely uh, pretty present on, on Instagram as well for Yes Prep Public Schools. Um, so we invite folks to to follow our content there as well. I'll do that. I will yeah, do that. Sure. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for what you're doing to really ensure success for our students. That's great work. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much for, for having me and for the thoughtful questions, as you can tell, or hopefully you can tell I'm really passionate about, about yes. this work. And, and it's very personal to me because our, our students and our families uh, deserve the best. Um, Absolutely. And so hopefully that's that's what they get from us. Um, sounds it like sounds it. like they do. Yes. Thank well, you. thank you so much, Bobby. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for listening. And if you would like to stay linked up, be sure to follow us on Apple and Spotify and subscribe to us on YouTube.